0: You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon.
1: Good morning, East Point Church. How are you guys? You guys doing well this Sunday? Go ahead and stand your feet. We are here this morning because we are as followers of Jesus here in Eastern Maryland, we want to know what God is doing all over the world, right? And so this morning, friends, we're going to invite you as we worship through song, we're going to worship through some scripture, we're going to worship even through a discussion as we hear from some missionaries from the field. And as we sing, as we worship, I want you guys to ask the Lord, open my eyes, increase my perspective, help me to understand that what you're doing, Is not just here in Easton, but it's all over the world. And so I'm going to invite you guys to sing with me. We're going to sing to God. We're going to sing to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And let the church say amen. Let's sing this morning
2: good morning my name is Jeremy and uh first of all I want to say something Sam you're awesome (laughs) I just I've been so encouraged by Sam and uh I've been to a lot of churches and a lot of places in my my life and um guy loves Jesus legit so thank you thanks for letting us be here I've met some of you already what a congregation you guys are so sweet and we uh the humidity was terrible yesterday um I was sweating profusely for hours, and then hung out with some of you all. So if I was a little bit out of it, I'm sorry. No, I'm fine. But um, first service was incredible. So I have a lot of high hopes for you guys So for singing. Because a lot of times first service, like getting up and they're quiet. But uh, I think second service can do this, right? You you guys want to worship this morning? Okay. Sure you're ready? All right, all right. Jesus, we love you. We give you all the glory, all the honor. Thank you for allowing us to be here together as a family. And God it is such a privilege. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Oh my words for short I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs as I often do. Every song must end, and you never do. Come on, so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, because all that I have is a Shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you got a lying inside of those lungs. So get up and praise the Lord. Come on, hey. And come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me, lift up your song. Cause you got a lying inside of those lungs. And come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up my soul. Cause you got a longing inside of those lungs. So get up and praise the Lord. Come on. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. So that I have is a hallelujah. An hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for a king. So the heart a heart singing hallelujah. Desperate for more of you. Oh, we are desperate for more of you. Every lie and every doubt, this is my surrender. I will make room. Cause I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, oh, I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to Do whatever you want to This is my surrender, this is my surrender Here is where I lay it down Every lie and every doubt This is my surrender I'll make room And I will make room for you To do whatever you want to Do whatever you want to I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to oh. do. You want to, oh. Come on. Shake on the ground. Of all my tradition, break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. That's true. Your way is better. I shake on the ground. Of all my tradition, break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. And your way is better. Oh, shake them the ground. For my tradition Break down the walls Of all my religion Your way is better Jesus, your way is better Oh, shake up the ground For my tradition Break down the walls Of all my religion Your way is better Oh, your way is better And I will make
2: share this first service and I, I just feel like I should share it again it's because I think coming in on Sunday morning and, and just our everyday life, we kind of make church, I guess, a piece of the pie of our life or a relationship sometimes with Jesus, like a piece of the pie.
3: He's the whole thing. And
2: I want to encourage you because I feel like we uh, we make room for him. Okay, you can come into my schedule, God, you know. That's not what this is saying. He's saying, I'll make room for you taking over every part of my heart. Because his way is better. Do you guys believe that? Because if we really believe that his way is better, we would sing, we would live like that. And this morning, I don't know, and I shared this earlier, like, I don't know what's in your heart, what things are, you need to say, God, I make room for you. I pull this thing out. So there's no part of me, no part of other things besides you filling up my life. So ask yourself what that may be. What is that thing in my life that I need to give up and say, God, I want to make you my first love. Let's sing that and just say, okay, no more. Shake up the ground in your traditions. Whatever traditions you may have, your preconceived ideas of who God is, the break the walls, that religion. It's not about that. It's the intimacy that he wants with us. And so this morning, make room for everything that he is in your life. Amen. So let's sing this bridge one more time. Shake up the ground.
3: Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better. Come on, sing it out. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break up the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Yes. Your way is better. Oh, shake up the ground. Tradition, break down the walls for my religion. Your way is better. Oh, your way is better. Yes, and shake up the ground for my tradition. Break down the walls for my religion. Your way is better. Oh, your way is better. as I will make room. To do whatever you want to. Just say it. Do whatever you want to. Whatever you want to. Oh, and I will make room for you. To do whatever you want to. Whatever you want to. Because I will make room. Oh, pardon me, God. I lay it down. I lay it down down, oh, your way is better, oh God, your way is better, so I lay it down, I lay it down, lay it down, cause here is where I lay it down, sing it out, this is my surrender, this is my surrender. Because here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
2: So I want to share a little story just real quick with you guys. So... You know, years ago I went through a really crazy time and, and uh, like a faith-shaking time. Um, I had lost my first wife to cancer after a short battle. And we were really, really young. I was, you know, twenty-three. I just had turned twenty-three years old. She had just turned twenty-one. And I remember just the questions that I had, just the the moment of saying, God, did you hear my prayers? And I believe that you're gonna heal her, why? And just all these things that you're gonna have, those questions you're gonna have during those hard times. And I remember God gave me a scripture I love. It was Acts twenty twenty four, And I love a scripture. It says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I may finish this race with joy and the ministry set before me to testify of the gospel, the grace of God. I was saying, God, I don't want those things to move me. I want to truly serve you and proclaim your goodness no matter what. And so God started opening up doors for me. It was just an incredible season of life where I'm just seeing miracles happen and, and God do incredible things. And about 10 years ago, I remember, I got asked to do an outreach in Kyrgyzstan. Now, do you guys know where Kyrgyzstan is, anybody? Yeah, exactly. This is a country that's, that's a Muslim country predominantly over near China. Um, it's very far east. And I remember just being like, okay, my friend's a missionary over there. And he said, we need something here. Please come. And so I remember we agreed after praying because we knew that wasn't necessarily a, the safest place. But we felt like God's saying, go. So as we went over to Kyrgyzstan, we stopped in Ukraine. This is before everything started happening with Ukraine. And we did an outreach in Ukraine and saw hundreds of people give their life to Christ. And I remember just the excitement of like, wow, look at God has already done. And Now we're on our way to Kyrgyzstan. So the, the morning that we flew in, literally, my wife read an article. And she goes back home. And it says people are starting to become underground churches because of the persecution has been so bad in Kyrgyzstan. I was like, this is great timing, thanks. And I remember just being like, oh, man, what's happening? And we came with this time, and I was, had this kind of feeling of like, okay, God, you got to be with me. i was a little scared, you know, I'm nervous here. We did our first interview with the press in the whole area, of Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan, the main city. I remember this one lady looking at me, and every time she would ask me questions, she would just go, so what's your real reason for being here? Why are you really here? And I knew that it just felt, honestly, it felt very demonic, where it was like, why are you really here? Because you have to be careful in that country. You can't proselytize. got to be careful what you say. I was invited in the country just because of the success I'd had in the States, and they were like, this would be kind of okay. And we met with a minister of religion, and he took us down to this basement with all these ex-KGB guys, and it was the most intimidating thing I've ever been a part of. And I remember just going, okay, what is happening here? And a few days later, we did this youth event, and I remember what I felt at this youth event. The whole time I was there, I walked in, and you felt palpable fear, just something, fear going on. And as I was kind of preparing to get up on stage and have this youth event before the big event we were going to do in the stadium in the city, a friend of mine said, well, we'll just have to, not to me, I, was, I heard him saying, well, we'll have to deal with that later. We'll deal with that when we get to it. And I said, well, what, what's going on? He goes, no, don't worry about it. And I'm like, no, what's going on? And he said, well, The news channels are running these things now with your face saying, don't come to this Jeremy Camp concert because it's going to agitate the people and it's provocative in nature. And I said, well, what does that mean? Are we going to be able to do this event? He said, well, there's a 50% chance. They said, no, we may let you, may not let you, but you cannot share your faith. You cannot proselytize and try to convert people. They said, if you do and do the wrong thing, then we're going to put your friend Pasha in prison for a year. That's what they told me. And I'm like, excuse me? So all of a sudden, I go on the stage, and I'm, like, realizing the gravity of what's happening in this situation. And I'm, I'm singing and I'm feeling the fear from the people. And at one point, that wall broke. And I remember people coming forward, these kids, weeping on their knees because they were so terrified. But then God started releasing that fear. And I found myself because it was so tiring because we were just warring in the spirit. Where I got on my knees myself. My drummer came and laid hands on me and just prayed for me and prayed for strength. And I remember after that, we went to this restaurant to eat and I was just sitting there going, what's happening? And I had this bodyguard, his name was Vitalik. And he's always following me, always kind of just intimidating. He was an ex-KGB guy. Loved Jesus. God radically saved his life. And I remember him following me everywhere. And we went to the bathroom and he followed me to the bathroom. I'm like, this is awkward. And I remember just going to my friend who is not at all dramatic. And I looked at him and I said, should I wash my back? And he literally said, yes. So I remember that the reality of what was happening hit me in a very new, real way. And so I called my wife that night because I knew that there was danger. I, was, I remember just everywhere I went, I felt like everyone was staring at me because they were, because my face was everywhere in the city. And as I'm, I go to this, back to this place where we were staying, I call my wife, and I just, she goes, hi, babe. And I just start bawling. And she goes, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know if I'm coming home, <laughs> you know. And she goes, you are coming home, and you're called for such a time as this. My wife's rad, by the way, South African redhead. She's amazing. So she's like feisty and but loves Jesus so much. And she just said, you're coming home. Needless to tell, I didn't say this in the first service, but I remember she told me later, God didn't tell me you were coming home. I had to prepare my heart too. I was like, huh. But she has enough strength to say, stay. So I remember just getting done and we're getting ready to, to go to bed and I'm praying and I'm in the shower just going, God, I can't do this. And I remember so clearly he said, perfect, now you can do it. And it was that moment of, of surrender. I can't do it. Like, on my own, I can't do it. And he was like, yes, finally you got to that place where you realized that. And I remember that scripture that I remember that God gave me years ago, it hit me, the part that I never really focused on was says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. Paul was saying in the midst of all the persecutions, all the things that were happening in his life, all the pains and the trials. He goes, the reason why I can endure those things, because my life's not my own. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So I can endure this pain. I can endure these trials and tribulations. Some I remember going out, and we were able to do the event. And as we were there, we had a lot of people picketing outside, and I remember... My bodyguard, Vitalik, came up to me, and because they had just heard about someone, they drug off somebody who was like, we're going to snipe you. And he comes in, and he puts his hand on his chest, and he starts beating his heart really fast, <laughs> starts doing this in his shirt, like his heart's beating really fast, and he barely spoke any English. I said, well, you okay? And he goes, mm, it, it's scary out there. Like, okay. And this is guy saying that. And he goes, if you go down, we go get them together. And I remember thinking, I don't want to go down. Uh, why wanna live? And uh, but I remember we had this moment of prayer, and the Holy Spirit showed up, you guys. And I remember walking on stage to go, and 8,000 people showed up in the stadium, despite all the chaos. And I had this feeling of peace. There's a picture of me and my bodyguard walking out, and, and he was just like this, flexing and like staring very intently. And I was just kind of sitting there with this peace, looking up, and just like, all right, God, let's do this. And I remember getting on stage. And, you know, as I said, the, the name of Jesus, 2,000 people left right away. But I remember we were able to play the whole night. And I, I was able to share my faith. I was able to share what God did for me. I couldn't proselytize. I couldn't try to convert somebody. I was just saying, this is what Jesus did for me when I lost my wife. He was my everything. And we had to leave really quickly. We left that night in the middle of the night, literally, because they are like, you should probably leave. And I remember our layover, we had a day layover in Ukraine, and I never thought that I would be kissing the ground in Ukraine because I felt so safe. Think about that now. But I was in Ukraine saying, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I just want to encourage you guys. Like my my missionary friends got kicked out of the country because of that, but they're now still serving, and they're in Jordan and a bunch of other places, in Georgia, the country of Georgia. And it's beautiful to watch how God used that in that country, though, because one of my friends got up there and said, if these Americans can come up and they could risk their life and share their faith, then why can't we? And the church is thriving, doing amazing, and it's incredible to see what God's doing. So I want to encourage you guys. Like, what's your sacrifice? Like, what is that thing where you're like, ah, my life's not my own? And it, it might not be going to a dangerous country. It might be just being here and sacrificing your time, sacrificing your finances, sacrificing whatever it may be. Those idols in your life or things that you've held back. I just encourage you. I'm going to sing this song. I wrote this song actually probably about a week or two after the event. And I wrote it because of that, what I was feeling. Because God gave me Romans 8.11. The same power that rose Jesus Christ in the grave lives within us. Amen? All right, let's all sing that together.
3: Every fear of the unknown, I can hear. Come on, sing it out. All God's children singing out. We will not be overtaken. We will not overcome. Yeah. Same power. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. The same power that commands the dead to wake lives in lives in us yeah the same power that moves mountains when he speaks the same power that can come a raging sea lives in us lives in us he lives in us lives in us, lives in us. yeah we have That his promises are true, and his strength, there is nothing we can't do. Yes, we know, there are greater things in store. We will not be overtaken, we will not be overcome. The same power that rose Jesus from the ground. The same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us, lives in us. Yeah. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks. The same power that can calm raging agency lives in us, lives in us. He lives in us lives in us greater is he that is living in me he's conquered our enemy
2: yeah
3: thank you jesus no power of darkness no weapon prevails we stand here in victory come on sing that out yeah greater that is living in me He's conquered our enemy Oh, no power of darkness No weapon prevails We stand here in victory Oh, in victory Oh, yeah. Sing it out, come on The same Power that rose Jesus from the grave. The same power that commanded death to wait lives in us. Lives in us. Yeah. The same power that moves mountains where it speaks. The same power that can calm the raging sea lives in us. Lives in us, he lives in us, he lives in us, oh, he lives in us It's your bread in our lungs, so we it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only, oh, great are you, Lord. Yeah. Great you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Great. All right, church. All the earth. Oh, the earth will shout show sure praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Come on, church. Yeah. Oh, the We'll shout your sure praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great are You, Lord. One more time. Shout it out. Oh, the earth. We'll shout your sure praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Great. Your breath hey. it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only oh yeah breathe are you lord think about what you're saying and who you're saying it to Great are you, Lord. Come on. Oh, great are you, Lord. Oh, you are worthy, oh, yes. Great are you, Lord. One more time. Great are you, Lord. Oh, we sing great.
1: just said think about who you're singing that to friends we believe that jesus christ came from the father that he came to earth perfectly obeyed the will of his father in heaven perfectly called the son of god a child of the father in every way sinless and yet laid down his life for sinners so that we who were sinful could be also called sons and daughters of god died on the third day he rose again showed himself to be alive to over 500 witnesses and then it says he was ascended to heaven where he now sits at the right hand of the father he sits on the throne he is the vice regent of the kingdom of god he is god's chosen sovereign listen to what it says therefore because of jesus humility because of his perfect obedience because he is the one true god Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We are moving toward a future where Jesus and his sovereignty and his majesty will be recognized by every single human being who has ever lived on the planet. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess, some of them begrudgingly, and some of them too late. But for us, we say, we're not waiting for eternity. We're not going to wait until our knee is bent. We willingly bend the knee. And so I want to sing that one more time. And as you sing, maybe even close your eyes and imagine that you're not just singing in a YMCA in Maryland, but you are part of the throng of billions of people who recognize the majesty of King Jesus.
3: It's your bread in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your bread in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. Come on, sing it out. Great. Great. One more time, one more time. Come on, great. Oh, come on, that's oh, beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, one more time. Great are you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus.
1: Thank you, Father, Lord. We believe, Lord, that will shout your name, all the earth will proclaim the goodness of King Jesus. And so, Father, here we are this morning, adding our voice to the chorus. We are here because we love you, because you first loved us. We are here, Lord, because we believe that your ways are better, and we have surrendered our lives to following you and your ways, that, Lord, we are apprentices of your school of living, God. You, the designer, know best, and so here we are, God, to make much of you. And Lord, we pray, we pray, Father, that as a result of what happens today, that a result of of the ministry of these men who have come to share with us, Lord, we pray that your fame would increase all over the world. Father, we pray that the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, Lord, which is completely. So Lord, make much of your name. Open our eyes to behold it so that we can live for you with all that we are. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. One more time. Let's praise the Lord. Thank you, God. You may be seated. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to East Point Church. If we have not had the privilege of meeting, my name is Sam, and I get to serve as the lead pastor here among our elders and pastoral staff. And uh, we love that you're here. All right, we love that you're here. And so if this is your first time, maybe first or second, you're a guest, we would love to connect with you Uh, This is not what we normally do. This is going to be a little bit of a special Sunday, but we would love to welcome you back and invite you to what we are doing here at East Point. And so you can text us. uh, If you have time after the gathering, you can stop by the the Connect counter in the lobby. If you don't, just shoot us a text and say, hey, first time, or hello, or I'm new, whatever it is. And we would love to just respond to that message and connect some more. And so welcome to East Point Church. Like I said, uh, a little bit of a special day. And so I'm going to go ahead and just invite my friends up here. So guys, why don't you come on up, Uh, and today we are going to have a conversation. What God is doing in Eastern Maryland, the gospel is being proclaimed. Everywhere that the gospel is proclaimed, check this out, there's like this blast radius of transformation and, and people coming to know Jesus and people being reconciled to God, just, and we get to see that every week here, right? Many of you who have been baptized, and you're growing as disciples, and you're growing in your faith, like, that's happening here. But here's what we want you to understand today. It's happening all over the world. The gospel works in Eastern Maryland. The gospel works in Portland, Oregon. The gospel works in Uganda. The gospel works in India and Pakistan, and we get to hear a little bit about that. So why don't you guys help me in welcoming our friends this morning? Welcome. All right, guys. Well, hey, uh, let's get started with some introductions. You're you're no stranger here, Andy. We know you. We love you. But I'd love to just go down the line, introduce yourselves, maybe a brief history of your ministry experience, and then how that's culminated in what you do now at A Jesus Mission.
4: Yeah, well, it, it is amazing to be back with you guys. This is my third time here at East Point. But I, there's literally so many new faces even from the last, I think it was six months ago that I was here. So, it's cool to see God moving here. I'm Andy. I'm one of the leaders of A Jesus Mission, uh, one of the guys who helped start it in the very beginning because of my ministry experience was I was in a touring rock band that was helping share the gospel around the globe, and we were seeing the need for missionary care, and, and we wanted to help meet that need because we had eyes on it, and so that's why A Jesus Mission even began.
5: Yeah, my name is Pierce. Um, I helped start A Jesus Mission with Andy. I'm one of the leaders of A Jesus Mission. My ministry experience really kind of starts with a Jesus mission. I was just helping serve at a youth group with my wife, and the Lord kind of spoke really clearly to us. We had a six-month-old at the time, said quit your jobs, start serving the church. And so we left, and we thought it'd be two weeks, but hey, it's nice to see you guys in Maryland ten years later.
6: Hey, my name is James Mead um, from a band called Cutlass, a Christian rock band. I've uh, been all around the world and shared the gospel and gotten to sing songs about Jesus and I got to know Andy about 10 years ago, Um, well, probably just slightly after they started a Jesus mission, actually, and we had just gone to Ukraine for the first time and had this really remarkable experience where I just saw the gospel liberating hundreds of thousands of people all across Ukraine. We played in 17 or 18 different cities all around the country. Uh, It was just a really remarkable, impactful experience to me, so I came home, and I was just... Chattering to everybody about, oh man, Ukraine, this happened, this happened, we went here. And uh, some friends hooked us up and we had this mutual love for missionaries overseas and seeing churches have um, a healthy and robust discipleship program and seeing the work of the Holy Spirit unchained in in places like Ukraine. Uh, So we became friends and um, all these years later, uh, I decided it was time to join the squad so, I'm also one of the leaders at Jesus Mission, and it's nice to be here. Nice to see all of you. Not you. <laughs> nice to
4: have you, James. Nice to have you.
6: Yeah. I've known James for 20 years, so he can do that. We went on our first radio tour ever we together did. in a van. High five. Yes. What was that? Was well, you're backwards to me. That's true. Good point. You're so um, backwards.
2: So, <laughs> <laughs> so, I've known James for 20 years, and uh, I've, I've been playing music for 21 years, and Um, been privileged just to be able to do this. It it seriously, I feel like um, after 21 years, I'm more thankful uh, and have more gratitude than ever before. And I actually feel like that I'm more excited about what's happening than ever before. And it's not like it's waning in my heart. I have a passion for this more than anything else. And uh, quick story. So I started this ministry, Speaking Louder Ministries, years ago. And one of the events we did was Kyrgyzstan that I shared about we've been to Uganda been to Ukraine as well India we've been doing these outreaches global outreaches and kind of like what they used to do um with Jesus or before kind of Jesus mission in a sense I mean and so I remember a conversation that I had with Andy I met him one time and I was you know we're he came down and led worship every Sunday in San Diego where our church is and I remember just talking to him every Sunday after church. He'd come over, we'd, we'd just chat. I mean, we'd watch football, we'd laugh, we'd tell stories uh, about what God was doing. And he would talk about Jesus' mission, I would talk about speaking louder. And our hearts were exactly the same. We had hearts for missions. My, my wife's from South Africa, and she's always had a heart for missions. And so we just have always had that in us. And so for 10 years, I've been overseas and doing mission work. We support missionaries all over. So it just kind of was like, this is what kind of we do. And I remember at one point we were talking, and I go, "Man, I just feel like I'm at an interesting point in the speaking ladder. I just want to take the next step, and what God's doing, and I just I don't know what to do." And I said, "But what we need is," and I, I just looked at Andy and said, "It's you. <laughs> That's what we need." And all of a sudden, became this conversation that, if you know, it, we took a while to really say, "How are we going to actually, in a sense, merge together?" and I'm one of the leaders now of Jesus' mission. I'm on the board, one of the leaders in Jesus' mission. And God just has worked it out beautifully because we realize that we're better together. And we can do more things for the kingdom if we work together. And so now, you know, my kind of arm of it, even though I do everything with Jesus' mission, I'm a part of everything, decisions, and I know what's happening. But my kind of, my boots on the ground, and that's what, I think that's what you even said. I loved how you said that, my boots on the ground, is the outreach part where we do these outreaches all around the world. We went to Uganda recently and had 30,000 people and 1,000 people responding to the gospel. And, but we also do mercy projects as well. So we have projects we do. We built a hospital in Entebbe. Um, we did, uh, we've built a whole village in India. Um, so we just really felt like that this would be so much better if we worked together and said, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? God, what do you want to do uh, in and through us? And we're just four guys that are trying to figure it out. We love Jesus so much, and we have such a heart for the nations and such a heart for the gospel. What we do together is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're trying to fulfill that great commission, and so I am thinking we will be a part of this.
1: And so get, they, he's being modest. They're trying to figure it out. They have figured out quite a bit, <laughs> and, which is why they're here. And so music, you guys share music, passion for that. That's a lot of your, your past have been intertwined through music, but it's culminated in this heart for missions and it's being expressed with Jesus' mission. So tell what is a Jesus' mission?
5: Yeah, well, a Jesus' mission, so five years ago, there's literally 10 of us mostly doing music ministry. And in five years, we've gone from that to now 120 missionaries across 18 countries, and we are seeing just explosive growth for the gospel, of people just proclaiming the gospel in a variety of ways, even just as we've talked of some, you know? So a Jesus' mission is essentially a Christian missionary sending organization our goal is to provide missionary care for people to help with some of the things that are necessary tools and resources to equip people to go and to fight against missionary attrition which essentially just means we want to keep people on the field if God's called them to the field we want to see them to see that happen to the length at which God wants them there and so that's what it's all about for us is to get behind people and to see them fulfill what God's calling them to
1: Wow. so 120 missionaries in how many countries? 18. That's power. And you had how many a few years ago? Uh,
5: 10, five years ago, yeah. And so it's changed with a lot. growth, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful, man. So you guys recall a year ago, Andy was here raising money for Ukraine, right? And so we raised money. We, we helped purchase a van. He's going all around. Well, while he was here raising money, Piers was actually in Ukraine. So Piers was on the field there. Can you share with them just because that's so near and dear to our heart, we were invested tell them what was happening on the ground level how you got there and what left
5: yeah well first thank you like really thank you um the first week of the war um I actually I was in your house we were sitting in his house I live in California we were up in uh, Washington and I was sitting on his couch and when Russia invaded Ukraine and I I knew then like the Lord was doing something in my heart is very visible I was like dude I don't know this is different and a week later I you know, sure enough, my whole family would be on a plane to Romania, and we met two other families in AJM there, and God was just birthing something in us. Like, we knew we had to respond in some capacity, and it wasn't even just me. It was in my 10- and 7-year-old, like my, my two girls as well, which was crazy. Um, and so, you know, they, they were watching the news, actually, and they saw refugees going everywhere and were explaining to them what a refugee is, and they said, well, Dad, we have to do something. And so, this I'll just throw this in here, it was really sweet, my... Uh, my 10 and 7-year-old then go like, they're thinking, they're going, how do we respond? And they'd been saving their money for two years in that literal piggy bank. And they said, what if we flew over there and we took our piggy bank to them and we bought people food? And I was just like, uh, <laughs> they don't know a thing about economics, but that's worth the flights, you know, <laughs> for the sake of my kids learning, you know, to give it all to the Lord. And uh, sure enough, you know, we ended up going and We were helping with some refugees that were coming across Ukraine into Romania, and Andy's running around here with churches like you guys that were being so faithful to give towards the effort, and the Lord kept putting this thing on our heart. He just said, you need to be near the area of most need. And so then we're moving in, we're going, well, this is cool what we're doing in Romania, we're helping, but let's get closer then. And so we get to the front, to like the front of the Romania and Ukraine border, and we start helping there, but there's still a lot of people helping. And the Lord's just like, hey, area of most need. We're like, okay, well, we go into Ukraine a little further, and we're a few hours into Ukraine helping with internally displaced people, and there's a lot less people helping now, but the Lord's like, yeah, but area of most need. And so sure enough, we end up going, okay, we need to just buy seven vans, load them with food, and drive within five miles of Russian occupation, see who we can find. And that became the Ukraine response that has now been going on for over a year. We have a team that lives full-time in the ZAP region in Ukraine, which is where the major counteroffensive is happening right now. We have delivered over 2 million pounds of food, necessary medicines like insulin. We've seen 2,000 Ukrainian troops come to know Christ. It's an incredible work that's happening. 1,500 people a day are being fed and hearing the gospel. It's incredible. And
1: so how how has meeting those practical needs – Food and warmth. Like, how have the people received that? Are there believers there? What What's happening because of it?
5: Yeah, the, I shared this in first service. It was just something that came to mind thinking about. There's a little saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, and it's like simple, but it's so true. Like, people are starving to death, and when you show up, like, the, I can start yapping about another religion, but that just that's meaningless to them. They're like literally in pain. Or their families are have died. You know, we're hearing stories everywhere of absolute brutal things I can't even say from the stage. And so to sit with people and just show up with food and partner with the local church specifically in Ukraine and go, hey, you help us deliver this food. It's not from a Jesus mission. This is from God. Like, he loves you. And, and, and we just go, here's food. Take it to where it needs to happen. Our only, like, requirement with these local churches was that it wouldn't be, like, denominationally based. That they wouldn't distribute based off of faith or based off of their denomination, but that they would just see people as valuable children of God and, and, and to feed them. And so, as we started working with them, food became a tool for the gospel. And it was so incredible to see how that met a physical need that led to ultimately meeting a spiritual one.
1: Uh, what, what a message, right, of like, hey, God loves you so much that when everybody else is running out, he's running toward you. That's the gospel.
5: Yeah.
2: And there's, I mean, just to share, too, over 2,000 Ukrainian soldiers gave their life to Jesus, yeah. Yeah, so that's one incredible thing through that.
5: Yeah, and to be frank, over half of them are dead now. I mean, that's so brutal to say from the stage, but that's the reality of war. So to be on the front lines, and, you know, that's the area of most need, absolutely. So you want to be charged with something? Pray for the people of Ukraine today as you leave this place.
1: And so one of those 120 missionaries, like, there's a family now there. Like, as a result of your crisis response, there's a a long-term family there loving those people. Beautiful.
5: Yeah, absolutely. There's a whole team. There's about 12 people that live there full-time with their kids and all, and it's incredible to see what the Lord's doing.
1: So we're in Ukraine. We've heard about that. Let's talk about India, Jeremy. Talk about kind of the the outreach and the mercy ministry that you've done there.
5: Yeah,
2: so when we went a few years ago, um, I remember we, you know, in in India, it's everywhere that we go, understand that you have to understand the culture. So you can't just go and, like, we're going to go and just save them and do (laughs) what. be the savior of these people. It's like, well, study the culture understand what they're, what they're believing and what they're feeling. Because in India, if you talk to them about Jesus, they'll say, great, I'll take your, your God as well as my other million gods. That's just what they do. And so you have to be very specific understanding that Jesus is the only way. He's the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And so it's very much that understanding of the culture. And so we went over there, we did an outreach, um, 16,000 people came, 4,000 people responded to the gospel, which was incredible. But what we try to do with the outreach portion of all this is to work with local churches. So we'll do a conference for, for all the local churches and the leaders to encourage them, get them ready for the night, let them, so when we share the gospel at this event, we have people to disciple them. That's so huge, working with that local church and people discipling. And then what we try to do is do a project, and I remember we... Uh, at one point went to a leper colony. There's lepers that are still alive. Um, It's very sad because you actually can cure leprosy, but there's a caste system in India to where if you have leprosy, then you deserve it, they think. And so they cast them away. They're the lowest of the low. And we had an opportunity because one of our friends worked there and said, hey, we need a well. So we built a well. Hey, this lady needs a home. We built a home. Hey, do you want to come? My flesh was like, am I going to get leprosy? (laughs) Seriously. And I go... Well, what do we do when we walk around? And this is a reality. And I said, how do you, you know, he goes, well, just use hand sanitizer. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I had a lot of hand sanitizer, I'll tell you that. But I remember just going, I don't understand. And they're like, well, it's, even if something happens, it's, it's curable. So I remember walking around, and this is part of the, the long-lasting thing that I love about what we do is these projects as well as evangelize. And we were walking around and visiting the lady who built the home, sold the well, And I saw this lady carrying a baby, and the baby didn't seem like it was just sleeping. It seemed like something was wrong. And I remember asking a translator, what's wrong with the baby? I said, the mom was driving a moped, and it flipped over, and the baby smacked its head on the concrete and is unconscious and not responding. So I'm devastated. Here in the leper colony, all this devastating stuff, this happens. I'm like, God, please. I know you see these people. You see them all the same. They're your children. You love them. And I was like, please, if, if, before I leave, I want to see this baby's eyes open. We go along, and I remember we had this Bible study in this leper colony. and It was just beautiful. And this lady came up to me and just said, will you pray for me? I have pain in my leg from the leprosy. I can't walk very well. And I'll be honest. I was like, uh, uh, do, I, "Do I? is it okay to touch this? You know?" And, and I felt like God was saying, touch your leg. So I touched your leg. And I was praying, and all of a sudden, she started, like, jumping up and down, like, saying something. And I asked the translator, what's happening? And she said that the pain went out her leg and out her foot, and it's gone. And I remember just this moment of just God saying to them, I see you. I see you. And I just, God heals, you guys. And I, I talked about it earlier with my wife passing, I know that God heals, but I had not experienced something like that before, and it really was just that reminder, here we are in India, all around the world, God sees every single human being, and he loves them so much, and I remember just I'm walking away, and I heard my friend say, hey, Jeremy, and I look over, and the baby's staring at me in the face, and it was that moment of just going, once again, I'm here, I see you, so. Oh,
1: good, so both of you guys mentioned, you know, going to Ukraine, going to India, that you identify local national ministers. So James, why is it so important for for the AJM missionaries to connect with the nationals and local believers there?
6: Well, first of all, I should mention that that's unique in a way. Um, A lot of mission-sending organizations actually advise against working with nationally-based missionaries, pastors, missionary teams. Um, There's often simple things like language barrier, and that's complicated, Um, It's hard to get funding coming in through them. It's expensive. It's cost prohibitive. All these like budget line items are the reasons, right? (laughs) But God has created a beautiful world, a diverse people all around the world that love him and reflect him, are his image bearers. And they have such a beautiful connection to their own culture Um, I guess tongue-in-cheek it's sort of in their DNA like they understand best how to reach out to uh, a leper colony and the caste system and what that must feel like to those people and what the prejudices of the other people within the society is like they understand these things in a different way than we do Um, we of course want to come and assist and uh, lend our resources and our expertise and funding and and help identify what projects they're doing need help But um, one of the things that we do is we actually love to work with national uh, missionaries. So, for example, in Pakistan, um, this amazing guy, Samuel Bashir, Pastor Samuel Bashir in Lahore, um, and he's just like so full of the light of Jesus, so much so that his vision is really like, I want to see the entire country of Pakistan acknowledge that there is one true and living God and that light overcomes the darkness in Jesus' name. These are incredible people. Why would we want to put them in a stable in the back? You know what I mean? So, like, uh, they're incredible people. We feel honored to come alongside of them. And really, it's it's one of those things. It's, like, it's the beauty of seeing the united body of Christ. I think one of the next movements in the spiritual awakening, hopefully, of our country, but certainly among, around the world, is going to be the unity of the church. And I, by that, I don't mean that, like, you know, everyone has to all become the same denomination. I actually think that we're stepping into a time in a spiritual journey as Christians all around the world where we can finally have the courage to look one another in the eye and say, I see in you a desire to glorify God, and I know that you see that in me too. So let's link arms together and make an advance on this city, our city, Easton, in Portland Oregon in Lahore Pakistan let's make an advance for the kingdom of god together it's like what jeremy was saying we just realized that we're better together the plurality of leadership it's better together we have accountability we have the the diversity of different kinds of creativity and honestly when we go to places like Pakistan it's not the american way that's going to fix their solution it's the way the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ, and they know him. We just need to equip them to be gospel proclaimers, yeah. you know, and they're doing it, and they're asking for help, which is great, too, so we're just saying yes. That's what we do. We say yes.
1: We, uh, we, you know, the illustration I used earlier, the blast radius of the gospel, like, That's what's happening all over the world. So these 120 missionaries, they're going, they're proclaiming the gospel. Five years ago, there was only 10. That's a lot of growth. What is it about a Jesus mission? What is it about your strategy and your infrastructure and your system that is appealing for people in the pew who feel called to go? Why are they partnering
5: up with you guys? Yeah. So I'll give you an example. If you were to sit with my ten and seven year old girls right now, and and if you asked them to pray with you, I promise you they would pray two things first. They would pray for wisdom from God, and they would pray that God would help them to see the kingdom of heaven today. In a very simplistic way, I think that's what we want to help equip people to do. We want to equip them to see, you know, find God's wisdom and to how do they see the kingdom of heaven. We want to do it in a very simple way. A lot of missions is very. Uh, there's just a lot of processes that we've made things over complicated with systems and different things. And sometimes God just says, go. You know, and like, what do you do? Like, if it's like, I don't have the training or I didn't get, finish my degree. Sometimes God says, drop out of college. You know, It it denies that conventional wisdom sometimes. And so we're just trying to equip people and to care for them. And that is such an important part of the journey. And so maybe, Andy, you could speak to the care component of that.
4: Yeah, I think... Part of the reason we're seeing the unity come together like this is missionaries caring for missionaries is actually a really powerful missionary care tool because they they know each other's context. Now, take out the like local where they live in the world context. When you go as, as a missionary to another part of the world, even if you live in Lahore, Pakistan, is 12 million people, that city, it's like you live on an island. <laughs> you're, you're the only person who has the context you come from and and so missionaries have this understanding and compassion for one another. So why it's growing, why people are coming, one, we've part of our strategy and invitation is come link arms with us. Like this is a like a picture perfect example of what we're trying to do in the and why a Jesus mission has grown and and point people towards unity in the kingdom is We can have theological, like, the four of us might disagree on some theological, like, nuances, but at the end of the day, what he said, I see in you the desire to glorify God. Let's go. So, that invitation to the church as a whole and to national missionaries that we support, like Samuel or Joseph in Uganda or Zeddy and Robert and all of the people doing the Entebbe uh, Uganda clinic, like, the, the invitation to partner is just an invitation to understand the gospel deeper together and disciple one another and push each other forward. That, strangely, is kind of a unique thing in the, in the, the church. I, we get in our positions and like what we see in the world a really unique perspective, and it's way more common. The church is divided we're more known for being so segmented and divided and and argumentative over things that at the end of the day don't matter. Do you think in Ukraine, any Christian is going, hmm, let's talk about women in leadership or tongues or, you know, just pick a thing that the church decides to draw lines around? In Ukraine, they're going, you love Jesus, I love Jesus, those people are starving, let's go. That's the invitation is let's focus on the centrality of the gospel. We call it a Jesus mission because that's it's the mission of Jesus. <laughs> we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. You'll hear us tell all these stories. Again, you go, well, what are you? that's a lot of things. Why are your fingers are in so many things? That's because we back the people that God's called to live out the mission of Jesus. And we go, let's do that together. And in doing that, inviting local churches, inviting people called to missions. I've, last night even we had some conversations with people from here who were like, I have a heart for missions. I just don't know what the next step is. We go, just get in the bus. That's what our, van, our bands would always just say to anybody. We're like, just get in the bus. Come on. Let's see what, like, see what, the, see what it's like. That invitation is a, an example to the world that we believe the things we say from this stage about the gospel.
6: To that, can I add a thought to that? Um, Andy pointed out that, you know, division in the church is so prevalent. Um, I hope we all agree on this, but That's weird. <laughs> that's weird. We're called the body of Christ, and he is the head. He's the leader. It's weird to see a divided body. It's like a person who would walk like a marionette. Like, that's weird. Like, um, you know what I mean? Like, when, you know, we're all musicians, so I'll throw out like a music example. Like, when you see a great drummer, they're a great drummer because they are coordinated between their hands and their feet, and they're, they're going to town on those drums. And you're like, that is amazing right? That's what we're supposed to be like as the body of Christ. Coordinated all things working together. You know, you might not, like this hand might be keeping time and this hand's like establishing the beat but like, so there's different parts but it's all the same drumbeat happening. Um, Maybe that's too esoteric and and too insider but I just want to say the division part is weird and it's us that are doing it and it's us that are standing in the way. The only reason there's still division is because we accept it. That's it. We can stop being divided as a Christian people. We can be a united body of believers. We really want to keep seeing that happen, and it's so inspirational. In all the examples, we get to go see up close, see all these people do this. Like Andy said, yeah, they're charging into the front lines. We're we're hearing from our team there in Zaporozhia in Ukraine that they're going to need— um, you know, uh, protection, uh, protective PPE that is, uh, that can withstand the nuclear um, uh, radiation. They're running towards that. They're not like, hey, so do you believe that the Eucharist actually becomes Jesus Christ or not? Because, like, I'm not going to run that way with you if you don't. You know, like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, it's the division part is just weird. Let's just stop. That's it. <laughs> Let's just stop.
1: I think one of my favorite things about a Jesus mission is that the 120 people you have out there, it's not a cookie cutter. It's not like they say, here's our strategy, just mass produce. Like They have empowered these people who feel called to find their own unique strategy and voice and gifting. And so I'm going to ask you guys to maybe share a few examples of how the, the creativity of your missionaries is being displayed the, the diverse initiatives whether it's coffee or music or you know even pierce at some point i want to hear you share this story about the guy who pointed to that line of 150 people he's like you see them so go for it
4: i'll, I'll give you an example in pristina kosovo there kosovo is a country that some people don't even know where it is it's it's uh, it declared its independence from serbia and like the 99 bosnia Herzegovina, like that whole re- Yugoslavia falling apart. Kosovo segmented itself, declared independence from Serbia. It, there's still peacekeeping forces there today. There's I don't know the population of the country, but I know that inside the country we only know of four Bible-believing churches. Four. Period. <laughs> and there is less than one thousand believers that exist in that country. Thirty of them are a Jesus Mission missionaries who are running a coffee shop across the street from the arts college, <laughs> where. All of the students, like 99.99% of the students at that college are Muslim. They, they are from Islam, and they come to our coffee shop, uh, and a lot of them who come to our coffee shop, uh, we've kind of become known as the, the place that's accepting of LGBTQ community in kosovo because there's a lot of muslims who are struggling with their identity <laughs> and so they come to this coffee shop where we just don't seem to care and we welcome them in and we make a latte and pass it across and then we come over and play a game of uno and all of a sudden you're in a conversation sharing the gospel going your true identity can be found in christ but that is a tool that is a method that's one example is coffee shops we're opening another cafe in modesto california uh we've signed the lease and are opening a coffee shop there to preach the gospel where he lives in modesto is an enormous immigration like there's tons of immigrants from different parts of the world afghan refugees all it's a like a hodgepodge of people in modesto we're opening a coffee shop there we're opening a coffee shop in romania because the missionaries living in romania which you can get to this point um go, this is a tool to preach the gospel
5: Yeah, that line of 150 people Sam was talking about, Um, I was sitting in Romania, you know, about three months after the war started with the Ukraine stuff, we had developed a really good relationship with a pastor in Cluj, and he was helping facilitate us getting vans and, you know, how to, like, get through the border and all this stuff, and so I'm sitting with him, he asked to get coffee with me, and he says, you know, look behind you, there's, look at all those people, and I look behind me, and there's 150, like, People, you know, from all over the world, India, Africa, you know, they look like clearly foreigners. And he says, do you know what they're doing there? And I said, no. He says, they're here because that's the immigration office. Every day there's 150 new people immigrating to Cluj. um, And you know what language they speak? I said, I don't know. He said, English. He said, they don't speak Romanian. And there's no English-speaking church. And he started to cry, and he said, there's no English-speaking church here in Cluj. 150 new people every day coming here with no opportunity to hear the gospel and people just overlook it. He said, I'm asking you at a Jesus mission to to pray about someone coming here. Well, sure enough, um, this guy Garrett Larson had been helping us for several months with the Ukraine response. He came out from Utah, and the Lord would put it on his heart to end up moving there with his wife, Alyssa. And so they're there now working with the church to establish the first English-speaking church in Romania. So just another example of amazing doors the Lord is opening, yeah.
6: We, uh, we have a really great missionary team with Joseph and some other leaders in Uganda um, supporting them. Uh, they're running an orphanage there and good news slash bad news, there's too many kids at the orphanage, uh, but they're being cared for and provided an education and food and you know, they're learning about the Bible and they're developing a faith uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, with these leaders that love them and are caring for them. Uh, but the facility has too many kids, and so uh, we had the opportunity to buy a building right next door. The site is literally right next to them. We get to develop that building. We bought it for $10,000. Uh, we're going to raise like another thirty or $40,000 to finish that building, and liter- it'll be like the nicest building these kids have seen. Um, and it's great. They'll have a boys' dorm and a girls' dorm and continue to care for the orphans, I mean, the Bible is very clear to us about what God's heart is towards the widows and the orphans. And we have the opportunity to stand behind these people that are representing, representing Jesus Christ the King to these kids and showing them that they have a good, good father who loves them. Uh, so that's a really exciting project to me. Um, I just see that as success after success after success. I mean, that that is super cool. So... Yeah, we'll build this new building. They'll have a boys' dorm and a girls' dorm and continue to just train up these kids and love them. Super cool.
1: Jeremy, what are you guys doing in January?
2: So in January, we're actually going back to India. You know, one of the things that we've realized is when you actually care for the people in the country, the country will let you back in. Um, They've kicked out a lot of people in India. Um, Compassion was an organization that cared for orphans. They kicked them out because of the gospel. And uh, that's more in northern India. But southern India is still a little bit open, and so we've been asked to come back again because they're like, what happened last time was so amazing, and thank you for taking care of our people. So we're going back and doing an outreach again in January. One of the, most, one of the more exciting things besides being able to share the gospel, because that's just what we do, is sharing the gospel through. We adopted this village that there was like 30 families and 30 homes, something like that, and they all lived in not really homes. It was just shanty homes. And we got to build. We're almost done building the whole village out all new homes for all the, the people. Next is doing a community center for them so they can have something to kind of go together as as a community. Um, so I'll be able to see that. And then we're going to adopt another village and just keep doing that. just keep pouring out and be in the hands and feet of Jesus. And so that's exciting for me. Um, but all this is exciting. And, I, you know, I said this earlier. I'm going to say it again because I, I think it's so – because I felt like this, the first service I was supposed to say, it, so I'll say it again. But, you know, a lot of you probably – some of you guys may, may not at all um, go – Wait, so what do you
3: guys do again? <laughs>
2: like, there's all these different things you do. do you, are you a mission-sending organization? Are you, a, you know, freeing slaves from Pakistan, helping people, feed people in Ukraine? Are you uh, a economy orphanage, India? Is that, yes, we are. And just say yes. And honestly, the thing that I will tell you, though, is God has opened doors. We don't just go, let's just do that. That sounds great. We are led by the Holy Spirit. And we ask God for wisdom, and we ask God to say, God, what do you want us to put our hands to the plow at? And that's when true fruit will happen. And I feel like that's what we do. We're, that's why even being together is so great, because we can keep each other accountable. We can talk through things. We can pray through things, and it's beautiful. And so, but the whole purpose by, behind it is to equip the found and find the lost. And that's what we do. So whether we do it through this or this or what we've all talked about, we're equipping the found and finding the lost. And that's the gospel. And so we're trying to do the best we can with the gospel. So.
1: I love it. I love, guys, if you look all the way from Bible times even to now, the most significant, impactful endeavors in the kingdom are multi, or, 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 or there's a plurality of leadership, right? Solo endeavors can't even hold a candle next to a united front. So I just want you to even see, like, not just what they're saying, but the, the example that they're bringing to us. This is how you make a difference in the kingdom. You link arms you partner, they're not united in spite of their diversity. They're united by their diversity, right? Like the thing that makes them the most useful is that they're different, you know? And so I just, I love getting to know the the dream team. And you've been telling me about your friends for over a year now, so thank you. I thought they were imaginary. Turns out they're real friends. He has
6: imaginary friends too. just to be
5: clear. It's okay.
1: I haven't met them
6: yet.
2: I kind of feel like I'm the left out here. Everyone has a beard except for me. Is that part of like
6: the next step I have to take? Mine's from Amazon. It's a clip-on. It kind of looks can, like
2: you
4: can order it yeah, it's good. yourself.
1: To be to be labeled as having a beard in the presence of these men is a great honor. So thank you for that.
4: Uh, so Well, let's just look at the, their arms and compare my this arms is too to theirs. Much so beard. It's <laughs> got to be a whole different Get back on track. We digress. We <laughs> digress.
1: So, hey, so obviously you guys are here. We, we know that you guys are doing things in Ukraine. And, I mean, we heard about the slaves being free from Pakistan. We have India and just... There's so much going on that we could talk all day, but can, as, as we kind of land the plane here, can you kind of bring it to a head? What is it? What, what's the, the big, hairy, audacious goal? What are you focusing on this year? What do you have your sights set on for the next 12 months?
5: Yeah. Well, we're realizing, like I said, five years ago, ten people. Like, it was a very different ball game with ten people for lack of a better word, we could just be, like, hippies and kind of go do our thing and, like, God will show up, dude. It's so cool. And, like, yes, that's true. But when you grow, there's, like, necessary infrastructure. Like, you, you have to learn to, like, oh, we need someone for donor support. Weird. Like, oh, we need people for legal purposes to, you know, how do you send – like, payments to, we're, we're sending money all the time to Pakistan, the number one exporter of terrorism in the world. Like, that's, that's something that you have to be a little careful of. <laughs> and so, you're, there's things that you just learn as you go. You're like, yeah, we got to be a little more formal. We're moving more money and things are happening. And the needs are more than ever. Like, with Pakistan and Uganda and Ukraine, we spent $700,000 last year just on Ukraine. Just on Ukraine. 100% of it going straight to food, straight to people, gospel declarative works, equipping the church. I mean, it's it costs money to see this stuff happen. And so we're realizing, like, in this season, we need to devote time. Like, our role needs to be to tell stories and to go find the church that God is just equipped with resources to help with that. And so this is our prayer. And you, not everybody can give, but you can all join us in prayer. We need to raise $1.5 million through this, this t- few months of running to churches and trying to Uh, to just to do what God's placed in in our lives and so that is our prayer we're also trying to find twenty thousand dollars a month of recurring giving to help with just the consistent bills so we know what we're operating at we know like we can take on these you know care for these orphans we can free this many slaves and what what just the process and operations so we can be wise in our commitments and so just join us in prayer for that please it's a huge endeavor to us it's a very different season of a Jesus mission but we've never had more confidence in what the Lord is doing
1: Absolutely, absolutely. We, um, we, we're familiar with that here at East Point, right, where it's like a growing vine needs infrastructure. It's called a trellis. And so what these guys are doing and what, and what their track records show is that they are so lean, so nimble, so just frugal. And so even as they're like, oh, this feels awkward. We need more infrastructure. It's like, dude, we trust you, you know. And so the, the infrastructure that they're building that, that holds up the work, um, I think it's going to be really, really good. And so here's my last question, and it's for you guys. It's like, what are we going to do about this? Hands. No, I'm just kidding. Like, what, what are we going to do, right, when we're presented with the, the perspective globally that God is on the move? You can't just sit, you know, and be noted. Good luck, right? We're, like, you're either going to go or you're going to send, right? And so we know that the Lord has called us here to go to East in Maryland, right, to the shore. We are from the shore for the shore. Like, this is our mission field. Like, this is our Jerusalem that God has planted us in. But we know that we don't just want to grow in faith. We want to reach the world. And friends, what better way to reach the world than to equip and to fund and to bless the men who are literally out there reaching the world? I I said this earlier that I'm a chess player, so this metaphor came to mind. But Talbot County, Caroline County, Dorchester, Queen Anne's, like, we are like one square on the chessboard. We live in E4, F2, right, H7, and yet these guys, as the Lord is the grand sovereign chess player moving all the pieces, these guys get to have an aerial view of the board, and that's how they're gifted. It's to move the pieces around the board. And so here's the call to action. This is what we're going to do, all right? We have created a fund. If you open up your app, we have the Church Center app. That's the way that we give at East Point Church. And so in there, we have our general tithes and offerings. Like, that is our our, our primary way that we fund the mission here on the Eastern Shore, right? But here's what we've done. We've created another fund called Global Missions-AJM. And so I'm going to be very clear, very concise. Here are two actionable steps that you guys can take to contribute to this, all right? So number one, make a splash. That's your first step. Number one, give now. Like, Put a a gift in that fund, a one-time gift that says, hey, AJM, we see you, blessings, all right? So a one-time gift, that's how you can help. A second way you can help is monthly giving. What if you went into the app, and instead of giving one time, what if you changed the frequency to monthly? And so we're looking for people who say, hey, who's going to give a monthly pledge toward global missions here at East Point Church through a jam. And here's our goal, Right, This is our, our big, hairy, audacious goal. You guys are believing the Lord for 1.5 million. Like, that faith is inspiring. And here's what we say. What if between our, our one-time gifts and between our monthly pledges, like, what if we said we're going to contribute 100000 of that 1.5 million? That sound good to you guys? $100,000 that we're going to believe the Lord for. And let's see what happens, right? Like, in the Bible, the, the Church of Macedonia, they were begging for the privilege of contributing to the needs of the saints. They were begging, and Paul was like, ah, we probably won't take an offering. I know you guys are struggling. I know you're broke. I know things are tight. Ah, we'll probably skip you. And they go, don't you dare skip us. Don't you dare take our opportunity. We want to give. And it says they gave from cheerful hearts. They gave out of their poverty. They gave generously. And so we at East Point Church, we say, hey, count us in, man. Count us in. We want to be a part of that. And so you guys, again, you can go and find those funds. If you go to the Church Center app, just say give and you can choose the fund. Uh, you can uh, you can grab cash in an envelope and just write on that envelope, global missions, we'll make sure that gets there. You could also go to our website, right, uh, epeaston.com forward slash give and select global missions, a Jesus mission from the drop-down menu. And so if you have any questions, as always, email us, text us, stop by the counter in the lobby. Um, but we just consider it such a privilege. Can we just thank them one more time? Thank you so much. You guys are awesome, man. The Bible, the Bible says, listen listen to what the scripture says. Philippians chapter 2, it says this as as, uh, traveling missionaries came to their community. It says, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He nearly died for the work of Christ. Honor him. He nearly died going into a bomb-riddled Ukraine. Honor him. He went into a leper, colony, a leper colony. Honor him. They are going to the front lines. Honor them. And so I'm going to invite you guys to honor them. Let's stand, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray that the Lord not only gives them provision, but that he gives them vision and creativity for the work. So why don't you guys just extend your hand, pray with me this morning. Lord, we love you, Father. Lord, we just love that you are at work in the world. And sometimes, Lord, we become so focused and so concentrated on our own work here and and you have removed the blinders this morning. God, you are at work in the world. This is your mission that you started before the foundations of the earth. You are reconciling people who are far from you to yourself. You are bringing people from all different backgrounds and all different baggages and you're bringing us, Lord, into the family of God. We don't deserve this and yet you have found us who were lost. And so now here we are, Lord, remembering, recalling, bringing to mind just how lost we were, and we're saying, here we are, send us. We want to reach the lost, too, God, not because we're better, but because we once were like that. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like us. And so here we are, God. We pray uh, for, for vision and creativity for these men, Lord, as they, as they have to think creatively about how to structure things, and as things scale, Lord, they need administrators, they need organizers, they need creative solutions to unique problems, Lord. So would you bless them as they work on these kingdom-impacting issues, Lord? And then, Father, we also ask you for provision. Lord, they, they, they have said, yeah, Lord, we, we need $1.5 million to fund all of the projects, to fund all of the infrastructure. I pray that you would blow their minds with how much more you give them, God. I pray that they'll be back a year from now letting us know about their new goal of five million dollars and ten million. Lord, may they just learn to dream, Father, according to kingdom size principles. And so, Lord, I pray that every ounce of energy and emotion and and even money that they have poured out, Lord, to make this trip, Father, to East Point Church, would you pour it back into them, Lord? Bless them. Pray for their, their wives and their families who are who are extending and sacrificing their time so that their husbands could be here. Bless them, Lord. We're mindful of them. Uh, Be with them and give them traveling, uh, uh, traveling mercies, Lord, as they travel back safely this afternoon. We love you, God. We praise you. You are so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One more time, let's welcome these guys. Thank them.
0: We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.